I'm Virginia Allen, and this is the Daily Signal Top News for Monday, July 10th. Here are today's headlines. President Joe Biden was in London today. Biden met with English Prime Minister Richie Sunak and King Charles III. Biden and Sunak's meeting focused on support for Ukraine. The question looming large over the two world leaders is, should Ukraine be brought into NATO? The NATO summit begins on Tuesday, so Biden and Sunak's conversation was important for both leaders to discuss support for Ukraine before that NATO summit begins. During the meeting, the White House reported that Biden and Sunak reaffirmed their steadfast support for Ukraine in the face of Russia's ongoing aggression. According to the White House, the two leaders also discussed the environment, energy supplies, artificial intelligence, critical minerals, and developments in Northern Ireland. After finishing his meeting with the British Prime Minister, Biden went to Windsor Castle to meet with King Charles III for the first time since he became king. The White House says the British king and the president discussed the relationship between the United States and the United Kingdom. Following the meeting, they engaged with a group of leading philanthropists and investors focused on mobilizing finance to address the climate crisis. Biden is now in Lithuania for the NATO summit that will take place on Tuesday and Wednesday. While Biden was in Europe, news of the president's alleged temper with staffers picked up some press attention across American media outlets. President Biden is reportedly prone to yelling profanities at his staff. Axios reports that current and former Biden aides say the president is prone to use profanity directed at staff. Aides are reported to meet with Biden in groups of two or three to help defuse potential tensions that might arise during meetings. An administration official told Axios that no one is safe from the president's outbursts. Axios reports that some aides say being yelled at by the president has become an internal initiation ceremony in this White House. If Biden doesn't yell at you, it could be a sign he doesn't respect you. Some view the behavior as a sign of the president's desire for accuracy among his staff, while others may see it as a contradiction to the public image Biden portrays. Well-known attorney Todd McMurtry has joined a lawsuit against the Southern Poverty Law Center. If you've listened to the Daily Signal podcast before, you will remember that the Southern Poverty Law Center is a leftist organization that issues a hate map every year, and it labels many conservative organizations like the Family Research Council as these so-called hate groups. Now, one of these organizations is known as the Dustin Inman Society, and as a result of being put on the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate map, it's filed a lawsuit against the Southern Poverty Law Center. The Daily Signal's Tyler O'Neill has been covering this story, and he joins us now. Tyler, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Virginia. Can you first explain what the Dustin Inman Society is and why they are suing the Southern Poverty Law Center? Yeah, so the Dustin Inman Society is named after, it's a small Georgia-based nonprofit that essentially consists of one man, D.A. King, 
who was moved to advocate against illegal immigration by the story of a Georgia boy who lost his life at the hands of an illegal immigrant in a car crash in 2000. And King supports the enforcement of immigration law, but the SPLC brands his group an anti-immigrant hate group. This is particularly shocking because he has immigrants on the board, but also, you know, legal immigrants, but also because the very same organization, the SPLC, said that his efforts were not uh, the efforts of a hate group beforehand, you know, in Mm -hmm. 2011. And then suddenly in 2018, they changed their mind and say, oh, you're a hate group. And by the way, when they did that, they registered a lobbyist to oppose a bill that his organization supported. Okay. So now the Dustin Inman Society, they're lashing back. They filed this lawsuit against the Southern Poverty Law Center. And there's this attorney that has gotten involved named Todd McMurtry. Why is this significant that this attorney is now involved in this case? Yeah, this is a huge development because Todd McMurtry represented a man by the name of Nick Sandman, who I'm sure our listeners will remember, in 2019, he was demonized by the legacy media when a video of him essentially just standing there near the uh, Lincoln Memorial after the March for Life in 2019, he Mm. was he was standing there with a Make America Great Again hat on. And there was a Native American man who was banging on a drum right in his face. And he made the, you know, the unforgivable sin of smirking, apparently. And that's what what the legacy media ran with. So he sued for defamation after all of these media outlets attacked him and he won settlements. Now, we don't know how much money he won, but he filed these lawsuits that were seeking something like $270 million against CNN, similar figures against uh, the Washington Post, and he settled them out of court. Hmm. So we don't know how much money he made, but we can we can figure that he probably made a, a good amount of money because these were settled. There were some lawsuits that lasted until 2022 that um, the judge actually dismissed, but he won three significant lawsuits, and the man who represented him was Todd McMurtry, who now has been brought on to this case. Wow. So what does this mean for the Dustin Inman Society that now they have this lawyer who has, sounds like a pretty good track record of winning defamation lawsuits representing them? Yeah, no, it, it bodes very well for the Dustin Inman Society. And also, I should mention that Liberty Council, mm. which is a nonprofit Christian conservative law firm, I believe based in Florida, but they have also joined the litigation here. And they're going to be very helpful because um, D.A. King has been trying to raise his own money to defend himself. And Liberty Council is going to step into that breach a little bit. They're a nonprofit. They don't take money from the people they represent. Um, so they're they're also helpful in this case. That's huge. Well, Tyler, thank you so much for your reporting on this. And we'll be sure to leave a link in today's show notes with your full report. But appreciate your analysis. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Virginia. Well, in other news, an academic publisher has retracted a scholarly article on rapid onset gender dysphoria. Michael Bailey is the author of the retracted paper. Bailey is a professor of psychology at Northwestern University. He's been a researcher for 40 years and has published over 100 academic articles. 
Much of his research involves the study of sexual orientation. On March 29th, Bailey published an article in the academic journal Archives of Sexual Behavior. The paper was titled Rapid Onset Gender Dysphoria, Parent Reports on 1,655 Possible Cases. The piece looked specifically at a trend among adolescent girls who suddenly declare they are boys but who have not previously expressed issues with their gender identity. Bailey co-authored the piece with a mom who goes by the pseudonym Susanna Diaz. Diaz's own daughter struggles with her gender identity. The mother has become an activist and created an online survey for parents who believe that their children have rapid onset gender dysphoria. Bailey worked with Diaz on the paper using the research that she has gathered from parents who completed that survey. But the paper received instant criticism from transgender activists when it was published at the end of March. Bailey says that almost immediately, activists began to lobby both the publisher of Archives of Sexual Behavior and the organization affiliated with the journal to retract the article and to punish the editor of Archives, psychologist Kenneth Zucker, because he had published our work. Well, fast forward to June, and the group that published the article did, in fact, retract it. Why? The publisher told Bailey his research and writing on rapid onset gender dysphoria was retracted because of non-compliance with our editorial policies around consent. The publisher said that participants of the survey that were used in the study had not provided written informed consent to participate in scholarly research or to have their responses published in a peer-reviewed article. Additionally, they have not provided consent to publish to have their data included in this article. So, the paper was retracted. Bailey says he is outraged and disappointed by the retraction, but the incident has reaffirmed his commitment to continue studying rapid-onset gender dysphoria. Bailey says censors have tried to stop scientific progress before, now as then, the pursuit of truth requires scientists and researchers who refuse to cow to Puritans, ideologues, and activists. We will leave a link in today's show notes with Bailey's full piece. And finally today, the former disgraced Olympic female gymnast doctor, Larry Nasser was stabbed in prison on Sunday. Nasser is serving a 60-year federal prison sentence after he sexually assaulted multiple female gymnasts and was found to have child pornography in his possession. Nasser is serving his prison sentence in Florida, and according to NBC News, the 59-year-old Nasser was stabbed twice in the neck, twice in the back, and six times in the chest. But Nasser is reported to be in stable condition. But the incident highlights the staffing challenges in prisons. The Associated Press reports that the two officers guarding the unit where Nasser was held, were working mandated overtime shifts because of staffing shortages. An internal investigation is ongoing, but no other prisoners are reported to have been injured in the incident. And with that, that is going to do it for today's edition of the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't had the chance before, be sure to check out our morning show right here in this same podcast feed. Tomorrow morning, I'm really excited to bring you all a conversation with Taryn Bragdon. 
He's the Chief Executive Officer of the Foundation for Government Accountability. And we're going to be talking about some of the work his organization is doing to hold the government to account. Also, make sure to subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We're across all podcast platforms, and we love seeing your ratings and reviews come in. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you all have a lovely evening. We'll see you right back here tomorrow morning. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.